And one of those dudes that indirectly were part of the show was part of the show way back when, and you know, a little mea culpa in between then. He's been on the show, shoot, for the last 15 years or so, Ryan McGee from ESPN. And Ryan, uh, how about that, man? 20 damn years of Speed Freaks. I, I'm not lying when I say I remember when the press release came across the fax machine at the RPM Tonight offices in, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, yeah, I'm, I'm OG, man. I, uh, as we, as, I'm not going to get into the history of all this. I wasn't super pumped. At, at what y'all had to say about my TV show <laughs> that I was working on, but 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 over the years we we uh, as you said we've 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 uh, you know we didn't know each other, but we managed over the years to mend fences and become friends, and we even have shared some parenting tips mm-hmm. over the years, and we've come a long way since I I was so angry at y'all for making fun of John Carney's shirts. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with what Ryan McGee's talking about, somehow we. We uh, we started to pick on motorsports talent that was covering motorsports, whether it was in the studio or at racetracks, wearing suits and ties, and then some wearing pink shirts. And right. Ryan McGee was were you were you were you producing RPM tonight? At the I, time? I was I was a producer on RPM tonight. Yes, and uh, and and um, and I remember. So I left at the end of that 2000 year. I I was with RPM tonight from minute one when Kenny Maine was the original host mm. and the whole thing. I was talking to Reese Davis about this the other. Reese Davis used to host that show, College Game yeah. Day, and so so I I I left when the TV contract changed hands. And went from ESPN to Fox at the end of 2000. I went over to Fox and Steve Burns, my my beloved dear friend that I miss every day, he and I sat down and he said, well, we're going to compete with RPM tonight. You know, what do we need to do to separate ourselves? I go, well, the first damn thing you're going to do is not ever wear a pink shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that's why we've liked Fox the best ever since. Well, and and we were, and we were young and, um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember, hey, I remember, I, w- I wish I could get my hands on, uh, on one of y'all, who was it that had on, had the, uh, they had the Oakley over the head shades on, like in the promo photos. <laughs> Lug nuts, our former host. There you go. No, I, I knew, I had a feeling. Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, it was very, uh, very Clarence Clemens from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, yeah. That is greatness. Ryan McGee joining us here in the Freak Nation. And four days ago, he put this out. You can, again, follow him on Twitter. Uh, the tweet that he put out, and I'm going to read it verbatim, the Confederate flag has finally gone at NASCAR races. I won't miss it for a second. And don't even come at me with heritage, not hate. My family history is what it is, so I know the difference. And everything that I'm seeing from you, good, bad, and different, you've never had so much back and forth with an article in your lifetime than this one. Is that true? Yeah, no, I, I posted that column. So, so the press release went out from NASCAR at 5 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. Mm. And at, at 5.01, I called my editors and I said, I, we ha- I have to do a column. And I was on vacation. I was like, I have to do a column. And so oh, wow. and what's crazy is, I mean, you – you work on some stories, like when I was writing for the ESPN the magazine, I'd work on a story for a year, and you put that thing out there, and no one would respond. And I wrote that column for in, in less than an hour. And I was funny, I was literally just talking to my father about this, and what Dad said was, he goes, what you don't realize is you've been writing that column your whole life. And it's true. And and, and my family's been writing that column for a, you know for 200 years, and so you're, there's no question about it. And, and I, 
I typically don't want to know like ratings and page views or whatever of, of the stuff that I work on because I don't want it to alter, you know, my, what, how I write and how I produce or whatever. And uh, and so my bosses won't give me the numbers, but I know it's not even close. I mean, I've been writing, I've been working for ESPN with the exception of those few years of Fox. I've been working and writing for ESPN my entire adult life, and it's not even close. And um, I mean, just the numbers on Twitter. I mean, hell, if I, I post a link to a story, if I get if I get a, a, a you know a few hundred likes, that's a big deal. And the last I checked, that thing was up to like almost eighteen thousand. And so, yeah. um, and, you know, it's just it's a polarizing thing. But, but I'll tell you this though. First of all, mute this conversation. That's the greatest thing that Twitter ever invented. Because when I post a story like that, I will absolutely immediately click mute because I just I need to check Twitter occasionally without just being called an idiot. But I will go peek every now and then, and 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 I also know like the emails I've received and texts I've received and the phone calls and, and the interaction that I've had with people is it's been overwhelmingly positive, and it's been from a lot of people that I deal with in other sports that are calling me and saying, okay, walk me through this. And do you think this is for real? And can I go to a NASCAR race now and not feel, you know, like everyone there wants to, you know, they, they all hate me. And so it's, those are the conversations that I'm having. There's, there have been plenty of idiots and there's been plenty of people that disagree with me, including some relatives and certainly a lot of people I went to high school with in South Carolina. Um, but, but even those conversations, a lot of times are, it's just, a, it's a, let's agree to disagree, but, but let's talk about, where you are on this and talk about where I am on this. And so it's, it's been more positive than I, than I, than I expected, but, um, but yeah, but there's certainly been enough idiots out there, but you know, it's last growth, man. It's to me, what, what you're seeing is like a Texas A&M today. There was, you know, you, you had a black lives matter protest involving the students and the football team and all that stuff. And you had that group of old gray headed alums that decided they were going to protest and it just, they, they look outnumbered because they are outnumbered. And I think that's what I've learned um, a lot about in the last few days. Wow. Ryan McGee, brother, it's wonderful to have you on the show close to our 20th anniversary. I'm interested in what you would tell somebody if they ask you, is it okay for me to go to a race now? Are they still going to hate me? Uh, you know, what's, what's the reaction going to be uh, that, that really leaped out at me. What did you tell them? Well, what, what I have told them and like Alvin Kamara, um, you know, played at Tennessee and Alabama and, and plays for the saints. He went to the race at Homestead today or the race that's never going to end, you know, at the Homestead Miami Speedway <laughs> on, on Sunday. But the only reason he went was because this all put NASCAR on his radar. And this is a guy, I mean, this is a Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama guy and never even considered going to the track because he didn't believe that he was welcome. And that's the problem. You know, we have Brad Darty. You guys know Brad. And we have Brad Darty on Marty McGee on, on Saturday morning for almost an hour. And what Brad, who, you know, you guys know, played in the NBA, an all-star, grew up in the mountains of North Carolina, um, you know, a self-described black neck, you know, a redneck living in the mountains and all his friends were right out of Dukes of Hazard, and it was him. And he wore 43 in the league because he loved Richard Petty and he co-owns JTG Darty Racing now. And he's had such a hard time his whole life convincing his NBA, um, you know, colleagues that it's okay to go to the racetrack or convincing just his friends in all sorts of industries. It's okay to go to the racetrack or, uh, you know, financially trying to convince sponsors mm. to sponsor his race car 
and letting them know it's okay to come to the racetrack. But yet, when they go to the track, what do they see? They see Confederate flags. And that's just, it's like putting a sign over the door that says, you are not welcome here. And so, you know, that's that's the conversation I've been having with people was, we're going to enter a transition now. There were only about two dozen Confederate flags in the infield of the Daytona 500 last year compared to hundreds when I first started covering racing 25 years ago. I guarantee you there are going to be a lot more people than that trying to show Confederate flags or whatever because they're going to protest what they've been told they can't do. That's going to last for a little while. But now NASCAR is officially on the side of we want everyone to feel welcome at the racetrack. And so all that's going to go away eventually. And, um, and, and so that's what I'm telling them. What I'm telling them is now they know that the sanctioning body has their back. And now they know that the drivers have officially said, we have your back. And so come on, you know, it, it's so frustrating. Y'all know the racetrack's the coolest place in the world. And to put something out there that lets, you know, half of the nation believe they can enjoy going, um, you know, if that's going away, then I can finally take my friends to, the Daytona 500 or Darlington or Martinsville or all these places that I love and gone to since I was a little boy, I can take them now and not feel like I have to explain away, you know, what they see there. Now, now if I see it, I can at least say that SOB right there is going to get that taken down. They're probably headed over there right now. And so it's, it's just, it's, we're not, they're not closing the door on anyone. They're opening the doors for people. Ryan McGee, I, I, I've got another question to ask you, but I want to promote the interview you did with Wendell Scott's son, Warwick Scott, on your radio show over the weekend. Uh, I've been listening to it kind of while we were getting ready for the show. It's a great conversation about a, a great man who's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Warwick's dad, Wendell. But it's come to mind that a lot of changes have happened in NASCAR since uh, Bill Jr. and um, no, the, the, the other France, the name escapes me right now. Yeah, no, Bill, Bill Sr., Bill Jr., Brian France. Brian. Yeah, no, and now yeah, yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim is in charge now, and somebody else, Phelps, is in charge now. Right. Is it their influence or the culture change that has forced NASCAR to at least try to make changes to be more inclusive in the audience? Well, I I can tell you this about Steve Phelps. He's a good man. And I've never questioned that for a second. And he is so dedicated to the job that it is his, it is, you know, it has cost him a personal life. I mean, he is on a plane uh, from Daytona, from, from Darlington to Charlotte, to Daytona, to New York, to every office that he has. And, and, you know, I was on the payroll at NASCAR for a split second in the mid two thousands and Steve Phelps had just come over from the NFL and, and, you know, everybody thinks, oh gosh, here's a guy from Manhattan and, you know, what, what's school in Vermont and, you know, what does this guy know about racing? He grew up going, you guys ask Dave Moody sometime in MRN radio. He used to see Steve Phelps all the time at every short track in New England. And he was there from the time he was a kid to all the way that he, he'll show up there in the summertime. Now he loves racing so much and he just loves people. He's just a good guy. And so well, I used to sit in these meetings and Steve and I were kind of in the second, or he was in the second tier. I was in about the fifth tier of importance when it came to people in the room and the people sitting around the big table were never going to do what happened on Wednesday. And meanwhile, you've got Steve Phelps and the people sitting with him who climbed that ladder together 
and they all sat there and thought, man, if we're ever in charge, if we're ever in charge, we're going to make this official. And and what all has happened in the United States for the last few weeks, um, this last chapter, you know, in this ongoing story of racial inequality and just another round of protests and another round of conflict. And and when Bubba Wallace started becoming more vocal and he saw this as an opportunity, so did NASCAR. And so Steve Phelps has always wanted to do this. The people that work with him have always wanted to do it. And he made it very clear when he met with all of his executive board on Monday, we're going to do this later this week. And you either get on board or you can find another job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love yep. that. What's going to Man, I got 15 questions I could ask you, Ryan <laughs> McKee. We could do yeah. another two hours just on what I've got bumping around in my head right now. Uh, what form do you think? Now, I I believe that some of the protesters, if they if there had been fans at the racetrack when Phelps made his speech and and so forth, that the the booing might have been embarrassing. Do you yep. think the uh, the protest that you talk about? Do you think that's going to be that uh, aggressive when the fans start to come back? There's going to be some at Talladega, and they're going to start adding more. Do you think it's going to be aggressive to detract from the program? I do. I mean, they're going to do whatever they can to try and take away from um, what's happening inside the racetrack. Which is which is you know the twist of that is the fact that they've been taken away from what's happening on the racetrack forever, and now they're just going to be louder about it. But but listen, someone who calls himself a rebel, um, what's he going to do when you tell him what he what he can or can't do? He's going to try to to rebel. rebel. Yeah, right. and so so we're going to see some of that. I mean, you know, listen, I, I saw in the protest at Clemson University yesterday. They had this beautiful protest on that gorgeous you know center lawn there on the campus. And it was led, you know, in large part by the football team. And meanwhile, there were a bunch of guys with pickup trucks with giant Confederate flags flying that were just running laps around town. And that, there's going to be a lot of that. You know, you cannot have that flag on the track property. That includes the campground. That includes, you know, any parking lot adjacent to the track. Anything that belongs to the track, you cannot have that flag there. And let me say this, too. Anyone who thinks that NASCAR isn't capable of policing this um, they haven't been paying attention because I always go back to, again, my brief time on the payroll at NASCAR. Um, I remember we were, I want to say it was at Auto Club Speedway. And you guys know that that racetrack, it's a massive property, you know, and mm -hmm. sitting out there in Fontana. And I got in the helicopter with those licensing guys from NASCAR. And they had these giant military binoculars. And we flew in that helicopter all over that property. And all they were doing was they were looking for the guys selling the illegal gear. Right. Like when you're leaving a concert oh, and the wow. guy's selling, like, you know, the guy's selling the Harry Styles t shirt for $5 that, you know, costs 50 inside. And they were looking for those guys. And I watched them shut down. And this is in the, this is in the mid 2000s. I watched them shut down more guys, men and women trying to sell illegal gear. And I watched them set, shut down hundreds of those guys in the course of a day. And so if, if you think uh, that they don't have the ability to police, you know, somebody flying a giant Confederate flag. And, and, and the question is, has been asked to me too, you know, what if a guy wants to wear a belt buckle or get a tattoo on his back or, or whatever, you know what? It, um, I'm not looking at anybody's crotch and I don't care if you have a tattoo or not. So I'll give you that win. I just want to make sure that I don't have to look and, and, and people who want to attend a race don't have to look 
at what his, you know, it's a symbol of hate flying in the infield. Ryan, people obviously want to spin things in their direction to fit their narrative so often these days. And I just want to go back to a, a little bit of what you said in that this week when things were tensions were rising and Bubba Wallace was on CNN and he made some pretty, pretty important statements that NASCAR saw this as an opportunity. What they saw it was was an opportunity for change. I don't want anybody to think that you meant or anybody means that they saw it as an opportunity to get ratings or or use use right. this as a money making thing. Can you please clarify that? Yeah, no, and I think quite frankly, um, you know, there's going to be, I mean, you, and you guys know this because we've all lived it. But what was everybody's biggest complaint about NASCAR forever was, you know, abandoning their roots and abandoning, forgetting who they, where they came from and who built them and all that stuff. When they left Rockingham and Wilkesboro and all those places and pushed west and, you know, quit putting country music stars at, at, at races and all that stuff. And there's a group of people who think this is the latest in that line of stuff. And so, so they're going to take a hit with a, a not small group of people. Um, that, that, you know, I don't think care anything about the flag. I think they just think that this is just another move toward, you know, getting away from their roots, which it isn't. This is just the right thing to do. But yeah, no, no, I, this is not an opportunity to make a lot, make a lot of money. It might be an opportunity to lose some money, certainly in the short term. I think in the long term, you sure, but this is not a financially driven decision. This is not an attendance driven decision. Um, you know, th- this is, that's not what this is at all. Um, you know, a, 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 a decision was made in the name of television ratings by, by racing and bringing, uh, you know, stock car racing back way ahead of every other sport. Yeah. That, that was an opportunity with that. They saw uh, first to market was what Steve Phelps kept saying. No one's using any phrasing like that at all. When it comes to uh, taking down the Confederate flag, the only phrase that's being used for this is uh, finally. And be the change, do what's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ryan McGee joining us here in the Freak Nation. Ryan, what I would like to do, if you get some time in the next couple of weeks, is set up a, uh, a little Skyping as we celebrate our 20-year anniversary, dig a little deeper into this <laughs> into this thing, because there's so much to this story that your family, uh, your, your family living on a farm that housed slaves, it's an incredible story. So my first question is, can we get us a Skype with the three of us? Or the four of us, and then can you, you got about a minute to to share with the Freak Nation what that give me the gist of that story about where you and your family are a living. A minute. Yeah, well, no, no. I will. I'll, I'll just say, go to yourspeaking.com, go to the NASCAR <laughs> page, and you can read, or, go, or, go, or go to my Twitter account. It's pinned. It'll oh. stay pinned for a long time, and you can read the story. But simple yeah. fact of the matter is, I laid my family's painful history out because I don't want to hear anything from the heritage versus hate crowd. And I'm speaking to some of my family, you know, which is yeah. don't come at me and tell me I don't understand what that flag is. I know exactly what that flag is. I know what it was, but what it is is a symbol of hate. And uh, if there was any honor in that flag left, uh, they wrung it out of that in, in the, throughout the 20th century when that flag was flown over lynchings and it was flown over cross burnings and it was flown over, mm-hmm. you know, terrorizing children, kind of trying to go to desegregated schools. That's what that flag is. And so yeah. nobody come at me. Uh, trying to tell me about their Confederate DNA because it ain't as strong as mine, and 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 I'm I'm all for what's happened. Skype wow. later this week or next week? <laughs> no, y'all y'all call me whenever. Uh, as right. long as I don't have to put pants on, I'm I just I, I, I'll put on a pink shirt for you. <laughs> Bam, oh, done. Geez. McGee, thank you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> hey, congratulations, y'all are the best. <laughs> Ryan McGee.